Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you This is Your Next Step. We are coming to you from the church next door on the west side of Columbus. Love to have you check us out at tcnd.org. That's our website. You can learn a little bit about us there. I am Pastor Doug. I lead the small groups here at the church. Our lead pastor, Pastor Doyle Jackson, is here with me today. How are you, Pastor Doyle? I'm good. You know, we would love for you to visit the church. Absolutely. You know, uh, every weekend we have three worship services and... Just want to challenge you, if you don't have a place of worship, or maybe you've been listening to us and you say, you know, I'd like to just visit there. You can come on a Saturday night and uh, still go to where you normally worship, or I don't know. We had friends that came up from Tennessee recently to watch a football game and come to church. And so, well, today Jennifer actually is doing an interview, and uh, she's interviewing Jessica Peck. Let me give you the backstory on this. So. Jessica uh, is a nurse. She's a pediatric nurse, and then she has children of her own. And in in working in a medical practice, she realizes that parents have to talk about some difficult issues with their kids, and parents don't know how to. And she finds that because she's answering their questions. She's helping parents uh, talk about, well, how do you talk about drugs? How do you talk about sex? How do you talk about the things that are going on in our world today? And in the process, she goes back to school, and she gets another degree and uh, has more information. So she's now a doctor. She is the doctor nurse mama. And today, she will help you if you have questions on how to, to deal with the stuff going on in your kid's life. And so I hope you'll listen as Jennifer interviews doctor nurse mama Jessica Peck. Your handle, I guess, is Dr. Nurse Mama. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. That is my professor brain, my hands-on nursing experience, and my heart as a mom I've created as a guide on the side to walk with families through challenging seasons. And you actually have, as the mama part, you have four children yourself. I do. Four mm. teenagers at one time, <laughs> 19, 17, 15, and 13. So I am living, breathing, sleeping, eating all things teens, both personally and professionally, and I wouldn't change it for a second. Well, we, we really need a, a prayer ministry, don't we? And I think you even <laughs> talk about prayer in your book when you have four teens at home. Oh, you're a praying mama. That's right. That's exactly what I talked about because, you know, this whole journey for me started when my oldest became 13. I thought, you know, I was a pediatric nurse practitioner. I was kind of prepared. I was so not prepared. And and I was coming from a broken relationship with my mother and some, you know, generational trauma and a history of broken relationships. And we were driving down the street one day, myself and my daughter, who was 13, she was in the backseat. We were having a recurrent argument, and Mm. she threw a book at my head while I 
of driving. Mm. I'm talking a four volume book. This was commitment, you know, this was intentional. Wow. And I pulled over and I remember doing in that moment, the most important thing I've learned to do as a mom now. And I did, I prayed yeah. and I just said, God, give us a, give us a new way, give us a new path, show me how to do this. And now she's 19 and we have a great relationship and I really want to share that journey with other moms out there who are hurting and thinking, oh, I'm just in the trenches and, and I don't see hope. I want to tell those moms there is hope. There is hope for healthy relationships. Mm. What, what were some of those traumas that you experienced as a child? Well, you know, I'm really grateful that I grew up in a, in a Christian home and with a legacy of faith. But we just did not have good relationship dynamics. And there was, um, our home was just very quiet and had a culture of silence on issues that mattered. And, and, you know, was very focused on what we should do and how we should look rather than our hearts. And so that just led to a lot of broken relationships on the oldest of five and Mm. actually didn't have any contact with any of my siblings for almost 20 years. Mm. And, uh, and that, that was just a really difficult thing going forward. And I think there's not one woman listening who can't identify with some sort of broken relationship that you want desperately to be fixed and you pray about and you try so hard and you think you do all of the right things. And yet it's just, the gap is not mended. And uh, that is still, you know, where I am today with my parents and thinking, how do I raise kids when I don't have a relationship or a model to follow at all? Uh, that that can be very difficult. And even for a family like mine that looked perfect on the outside, we mm-hmm. were certainly far from perfect. And, you know, the addiction runs in my family and all of the things that come along with that. And I really have been on a journey of hope and healing from that for for the last 20 years. And God has been faithful. That's what I've learned in all of that is that God has been faithful. And I think about Cece Winan's song, The Goodness of God. (laughs) One day we were talking, we were singing that song and I was thinking about the lyric, all my life, you've been faithful. And I thought, wow, if you really mean that, saying that can be hard to do, but yeah, all my life, God has been faithful in the good and the bad and the beautiful and the ugly and you know, the, the mundane and the miraculous. God has been faithful to continue to write my story. I think we could be friends because Cece Winans <laughs> is my absolute favorite. I think I've worn out her latest album, the one she did during coronavirus. Believe, or, believe for it. Absolutely. Oh, Cece, you know, God oh. has been faithful. And I think about, you know, just like you, you are pioneering with your kids. Many of us are pioneering or with our kids. And, and it's almost like walking through the dark on eggshells. How do we know what to do with the teenagers? I would like to just list a few of the chapter headings and maybe we could talk about some of these issues. You talk about mental health for teens, uh, social media, cyberbullying, even substance abuse, sexting, all of these things. We're just uh, is it is it just me or does it seem like we've had an avalanche of uh, assault against our teenagers in the recent years? Oh, an absolute avalanche. I mean, an all-out perfect storm. And it is overwhelming for us as parents. I, I remember my daughter 
early in her teen years telling me there was no way I could possibly understand the challenges she was facing because I was born in, quote, literally the previous century. (laughs) And she was right. You know, she was right. But in a way, it just seems such a world away. And we look at things and as parents, I believe we're the first generation of parents who is facing such a significant sea change in parenting and guiding our children through things we just simply did not experience that did not exist when we were growing up. We didn't have to worry about vaping or pornography like Mm. it is today or social justice or gender identity issues or even, you know, fentanyl crisis and all of these things. It just seems like every day there's something new that's coming to threaten our teens. But here is the good news. Mm -hmm. Our kids are, need us. They need our old, our old school skills to partner with their new fresh world perspective because we know how to have those in-person social interactions. And our teens don't, especially those impacted by COVID who were isolated and just interacting in online environments. They can have anxiety going and being in real person environments, and we can lead them in that way and show them how to have those in-person relationship skills, which are just so important. And we also know from research that the main predictor of a, of a child being re- resilient And being able to overcome adversity is a meaningful connection to one adult. And we have the amazing privilege as moms to choose if that person is going to be us. And I want to give moms practical, tangible communication skills to be able to do just that, to build a healthy relationship with their team. Well, why don't we start with like the most basic questions. I I know there's some parents listening right now and they're like, okay, I don't even know how to monitor all the online that's Mm -hmm. monitoring almost seems a thing of the Mm -hmm. past. How do you speak into monitoring social media or monitoring devices? Is that even possible anymore? You know, I don't think it is possible. And I honestly have never really adopted that. I hear a lot about gatekeeping these days and adopting that as a style of parenting, which when our kids are young, that's really important for us to protect them from anything that might come their way. But as they become teens, we really need to be their coach. There is no way we can possibly anticipate any threat that will come up on social media because there's always something new. And it's all about relationships and opening that door to communication. A lot of parents are afraid to expose their kids to something that they haven't been exposed to before because they think, you know, we don't want to expose our kids to things that are, that are that are so scary and dark. But we know that living in today is a reality that they are likely at some point to be exposed to some of these things. So intentionally exposing them in a developmentally appropriate way positions you as the expert and most importantly, It opens the door to conversation. Now, when you talk about these things, you know, when I talk with my kids about sexting or pornography, they do not say, (laughs) oh, mom, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I appreciate you (laughs) equipping me. No, it goes more like, oh, my gosh, mom. No. Oh, no, I don't want. No, I don't want to talk about that. But you know what? They come to me later and they'll say, remember that thing we talked about? I have an awkward question, and that is really important. And so for parents who don't know where to start, who are thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't even know where to start, this is what I would say. 
it is a complete myth that teens do not care about what you think or that they want to be with their friends or that their friends are a greater influence than you are. That is absolutely 100% not true. Your teens care very much what you think about them. Mm. And more importantly, they believe you when you talk about them and when you say things about them, they believe you. And the second thing I would say is that if you don't know what to say, then just listen. Just a couple of weeks ago, I helped host a suicide prevention event in my community. And I had one table for the parents with post-it notes all over it and one table for the teens. And it was what I wish I could say to my parents and what I wish I could say to my teens. Oh, that's good. And as I walked by the table where the teens had written what I wish I could say to my parents, I want you to picture this eight-foot-long picnic table, basically, covered in post-it notes with one word on it. Mm. And that one word was listen. And that's what they wanted, listen. They recognize you can't fix everything, but they just want to listen and they want to feel heard. They do need to be listened to. You know, you talked about gatekeeping is not necessarily the most helpful method, but coaching is. So is listening part of coaching or are there other things that you actively pour into them as that coach? I think listening is part of being a good coach. And, you know, it's interesting because when you listen to Gen Z vernacular, they use gatekeep as a really negative indicator, which is just typical, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we've always had angst in the teen years. I mean, you think about Rebel Without a Cause from how long ago. You know, there's always going to be stories about that. But as a coach, really, you start off as a teacher, right? You teach your kids how to tie their shoes, how to cross the street safely, how to eat their vegetables. And then when you transition into coach, you want to make sure that practice environment is safe, that it's safe for them to fail, that it's safe for them to try, that you know what the boundaries are of what they can do. You make them repeat skills when they need to. You push them to go further when you know they're ready. You celebrate their victories. You learn from their defeats. And you just champion them. That's one of the things kids want from parents the most. They want to know that you believe in them, even before they believe in themselves. They want to see that in your eyes. So many times teens will have specific struggles. They'll have seasons of struggle. Maybe they're struggling with uh, laziness or disrespect or, uh, or they're struggling with some sexual sin or something like that. So often as parents, we can generalize that to their character and say, why are you always so this? And why do you have to do that? And that struggle becomes their identity. And as parents, we can reframe that and say, you are a great kid who is struggling with this. How can I help you overcome the struggle so that you can reach your full potential? Sometimes we just don't even realize, you know, that we're doing it because we're just as frustrated as they are. But by validating their feelings and by really listening to where they are, we can meet them at that point of need because If you want to influence your team's worldview, you have to view the world as they see it. Hmm. They see it so differently than we do. How, How do they see it? And when you're listening and they share something 
completely shocking or against your worldview, how do you absorb that without letting it show on your face? Oh, that is such a great question, Jennifer. And you know, that's exactly where I meet families behind closed doors in my clinic. Nobody ever expects to be there. I'm seeing families who are blindsided by these issues, and it's always really heartbreaking. And the thing that they share in common is they've just never imagined themselves in that place. So I think as Christian parents, we have to recognize we absolutely want the best for our kids. But if you just look at the statistics and the numbers, our kids are going to mess up. Mm -hmm. They're going to make a mistake. You have to, as a parent, put yourself in that position before it happens. And you have to allow yourself to imagine the unimaginable. Mm. And if you don't, you're just going to be at the mercy of your emotions. And usually that first emotion we feel is anger. We're not really angry at our kids. We're angry that something has threatened to derail their future. We're angry that the enemy has come in and attacked them and been successful. And that's where we need to redirect that anger. So if you're if you're listening and you're mm-hmm. thinking, This is my teen, I want you to I want you to think through this scenario and practice saying something like this. If you find out something that your teen is doing that's upsetting, then just say that. Say, this news is really upsetting, and I think we should let our emotions calm down a little bit before we talk about it. But I want you to know, no matter what, I love you no matter what, and we will find a way through this together. That response can literally redirect the trajectory of your your teen's entire life. And that's a pretty heavy, weighty responsibility for us to have. But it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences and that you won't walk through seasons of discipline and, and things like that. But it just means that you start with emphasizing that you love them and that you see hope for their future. Is there hope when they've made these mistakes? Have you seen situations turn around? I have. I have seen situations where they have and. I'm really honest, I see situations where it doesn't. And sometimes that can be really, really difficult for parents. And so if you're listening out there, I want you to know it is not your fault. And we are, we have a perfect father and God, and we are imperfect children. And yet here we are as imperfect parents with imperfect children. And so we have to remember that there is a door for grace. But I, I do see a lot of teens who struggle with something, who are arrested for vaping, or a lot of teens who engage in sexting or self-harming behaviors or other struggles. And I do see them recover from that and move on to really use that season of struggle in their life to help other people. And something good comes out of that because we do serve a God who restores, who makes all things new who makes beauty from ashes and who always gives us hope. One of my favorite verses is from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, Mm. we are not consumed. His compassions never fail and his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, once a year or once a season or once in a lifetime. God knows that we need his mercy every single day. And God has compassion for the hurt that families are enduring and we need to have compassion for ourselves. Oh, we absolutely do. I would I would love to just take a moment and and walk out one of the scenarios. You 
you choose, whether it's, you know, sexting or an eating disorder, let's walk that through. How could you help a parent when they've discovered specifically, this is what my teen is involved in? What does it look like now? (laughs) Where do we go from here? Sure. And really, you know, parents could fill in the blank. They could choose any of these scenarios because the response really should be always the same. So the first thing that I would tell parents to do is to decide now who is your village, who is your support team, who are those people that you trust, that you can share with. Because we know that uh, research tells us 81% of Americans rely on Google for information searches, but only 16% will talk to a trusted friend about a problem they're having. Now, something is wrong if we won't talk to a trusted friend, but we're confident enough to rely on our Google search to Mm. solve our parenting issue. And so a lot of times when something like this happens, fill in the blank, any of these situations, we don't tell anyone. And we may Google our way through it, seeing like, what should I do about this? And some of that is we don't want to expose our teen to more shame and stigma. We want to protect their dignity. We don't want people to judge them. But some of that, and this is, oh, this is really tough to say, but some of that is even subconsciously, sometimes we don't want people to know because we think that is going to reflect on us as a parent. And we're more afraid sometimes of social injuries falling from our pedestal than we are the threat of physical harm and death that's staring us right in the face. So I would say in these situations, you cannot walk through these things alone. You need spiritual counsel. You need a healthcare provider that you trust with your life. You need uh, other adults in their life that are going to support them and love them no matter what. If you cultivate that team before anything happens, when something like this happens, you can just pull in that team immediately and they can surround you and give you strength to go on. And then the, the things that you have to walk through in these circumstances are the first thing after you think about your team, affirming your unconditional love and affirming your team for your team, these circumstances often have criminal implications. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard thing for parents. I mean, I've had students who have been arrested for possessing vaping paraphernalia or been charged as a sex offender for sexting. We need to say, okay, there's something not right. I'm going to take, we're going to make an appointment and just make sure that everything is okay and make sure that they're living at their healthiest. And then just give them hope, you know, for a way forward. We know that families with faith traditions have teens who are less likely to engage in risk-taking behaviors. And the best way that you can influence your teen's faith is to make your own faith authentic. Teens value authenticity so much. And if they see that authentically living out in your life, that it's everything to you, they are going to adopt that too. And that's going to be their best hope for a way forward out of whatever challenging scenario that this is. And I think as we walk through that, you have to acknowledge that often these aren't things you can sweep under the rug. This Mm -hmm. is a significant trauma and you may need counseling. You may need, um, a psychologist to walk alongside you to address that trauma. But the good news is when teens have brains that are very easily rewired and they're neuroplastic, and so if we have the courage to have those interventions early, you're really setting your team up for a meaningful recovery. 
This is Pastor Doyle Jackson from The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. I really need you to help me right now because the Bible says that if we agree, it's more powerful and it impacts even the angelic hosts. I know we all have someone in need in our life, so let's pray today for unbelieving loved ones in our lives. Father, today we want to come before you as intercessors. We, we know that to be an intercessor is your highest calling because an intercessor goes before the throne of God and, and you're asking for the kingdom of God to come in a certain way. And, and we know that you call us friend. That's what the word of God says. You call us friend. And God, it, it, it's your heart for people to come to know you, to experience the kingdom, to experience your forgiveness, to experience your love. And God, today we're coming as intercessors because we have these loved ones that have not fully committed their lives to you. There's some area of unbelief. There's some blockage. Sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't know what it is. Lord, we're kind of confused as to why they have not surrendered to your love. And today we're praying that you would move. God, we're asking you to send angelic forces. We're asking you to change circumstances. God, we're asking you to do mighty things. God, you sent Jonah to Nineveh that a city might repent and we're asking you to send someone and if that includes us and we've been resistant forgive us we will go we will go immediately but show us Lord begin to move begin to work in these loved ones lives we come before you we're desperate for you we're like a parent who loves a child that needs health and healing they came to you and you healed them well Lord our family our loved ones they need salvation They need to repent. They need to turn back from the road they're on. Some of them have worshiped with us before you, and we're just heartbroken. We don't understand. We're unclear on this. But today, we, we say, may they be removed from the fowler's snare today. God, bring them home in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I just love praying. You know, my life has been forever changed by prayer. Everyone who comes to know Christ's life is changed by prayer. And we want to help you grow in prayer. So we're inviting you today as one of our friends and part of this ministry to go to yournextstepnow.com. And we will give you a free prayer guide. It's an ebook. All you have to do is give us your email address. Your email address at yournextstepnow.com. And you get our free prayer guide. And you can join us every day. Be a part of the ministry. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. 
We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step.